Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football and pro football fans across the nation around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast, a very special Tim May podcast. I know almost all of mine are special, at least in my own mind, figment of my imagination, but uh, this one definitely is. This is a call this a sort of a pre draft special, uh, uh, a podcast uh, before all the picks are being done a week or so from now and how they pertain to Ohio State football players outgoing, not the least of whom is Justin Fields. And uh, to get a real true perspective on this situation, I turned to a good friend of mine who happens to be a big-time expert on the NFL in particular and the draft in general, or maybe maybe it's, maybe it's vice versa. I guess we're going to find out here in a few minutes. But Albert Breer, an alumnus of Ohio State and uh, basically follows Ohio State football probably as close as anyone out there in NFL land, uh, but he will, you know, he's been on my show before. You've met him. You know him. You know him from uh, SI.com, the Monday morning quarterback, and uh, I always like his takes. So without further ado, let's get to uh, my conversation with Albert Breer. Well, heck, ladies and gentlemen, I want to know something about the NFL, the NFL draft, anything that's going on in the NFL. I'm going to turn to my to – my, to my inside source. How about that, Albert Breer? I'm turning to your inside source because you have inside sources. And That's you're crazy. You're my inside that... source. But Albert Breer, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast, my man. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. like, <laughs> And I say this every time I come on. Like 2001 me would have been 
uh, would have been blown away that you would call me that. So I really appreciate it. Too. Well, I don't know one thing, man. If I'd known a hell of a lot more about you, and I, there were podcasts back then, you and I would have had a podcast, I think. Yeah. I well, mean, hey, we both would have made a lot of money if we were that far ahead on podcasts. You got to spot that talent coming up. That's what I would have been doing. But uh, but I digress. Hey, let's get right to it, man. Uh, I, for one of another term, uh, last week on my podcast, I referred to what happened to uh, Justin Fields over the past month from some – from some circles, from some corners, it's almost slander. I mean, based on things that were put out there about him, just and then based on what I definitely yeah. know about the guy, you know, knowing people who know him extremely well, who've worked with him. I, I had CJ Saunders on, you know, talking about, you know, this guy was always working hard, being a leader, all that kind of stuff. And to see the stuff that came out about him, which really for a while affected his stock, may still affect his stock. But I'm just wondering, you know, you're right there in the, in the middle of it from the standpoint of hearing from sources all the time and stuff. And how off base was that about Justin Fields from your perspective and how much will that hurt him in this upcoming yeah. draft? I mean, I, you know, it, it's interesting. You hear a lot of stuff this time of year and uh, you have to kind of find a way to vet everything out. And I, and I think like what winds up happening is sometimes, you know, it's like being in middle school where things can turn into a game of telephone, and somebody might take one piece of information and then it goes through four different people. And then, you know, the piece of information that's, you know, with the fifth person is completely different than what was with the first person. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I do think part of it, like for Justin is, and I've said this a few different places. Like I do think part of it for Justin is he's going to have to make strides in the classroom and like, I, I don't think that that is a knock on his work ethic. And what I've heard from people, even at Ohio State, you know, the guy is a beast in the weight room. All you got to do is look at him to, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they would, you know, they tell you that you could walk into the Woody. Um, I'm glad I can call it that here because your listeners know what I'm talking about when I say that. Yeah. Um, you walk in the Woody at 7 a.m. and like he'd be in there. He, you could find him throwing with, with Garrett or Chris. Um, yep. like, so work ethic's not an issue when you become a pro as a quarterback, you have to learn how to distribute your distribute your hours. You're going to have more hours. And I think he's going to have to distribute some of that to the classroom. Um, now there are things like that on that, that, that he's been criticized by NFL people. I'm not talking about like anybody on Twitter or anything like that by NFL people on tape, um, you know, places he's clearly going to have to do some work. Um, but you know, I don't think work ethics an issue. I don't think leadership's an issue. I don't think anything physical is an issue. I, I think that there is some fine tuning that his game needs, which isn't a shot at him because 99% of the guys going into every draft are that way. Yeah. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit of, uh, is on a little bit of a different level than everybody else in this class. Right. Like that's yeah. my opinion. Um, I, I think, you know, we throw the word generational around way too much. Trevor Lawrence is generational. Trevor Lawrence is in the category that Andrew Luck was in 2012. Peyton Manning was in 1998. John Elway was in 1983. Just what it is, right? Yeah. After that, you know, I think the, the next four quarterbacks are relatively close to one another. And I think, you know, the way this plays out in a lot of cases, if you look at the history of the NFL, it could ride on where those guys wind up going and how good the situations those guys have are, of course, and how, you know, and I, and, and who they're playing with and who they're playing for. And so, 
you know, I, I, I think Justin's in that next category, um, you know, with Zach Wilson, with Trey Lance, with, um, you know, with Mac Jones. And I, I can tell you this too, unequivocally, Tim, I haven't said this a lot of places yet, but it's part of my reporting um, and calling around over the last few weeks. I couple teams have him as the second quarterback in the draft ahead of Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I know the consensus has been like clear number one, clear number two. No, there are teams that have Justin number two. And people might say, Oh, why, why would they tell you that? Like th- these are teams that aren't taking one teams that yeah, are exactly. laying around that, that I know I can trust and have said to me, yeah, Justin's our second quarterback. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Albert is I I've told players cause I've been around high state football for a long time, as you well know. Just yep. before you were born, probably. But uh, <laughs> but the bottom line, I've always told players, you know, you don't have to convince every all 32 teams that you're a number, you're capable, that you're number one, a number one draft pick or a, a capable draft pick who, sh- you know, should be, con- you only got to convince one, you know, right. And, uh, or maybe two, and then go from there. And, uh, and you're right. It, it, it is a beauty contest and uh, it's a subjective beauty contest, for example. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too deep in it, but I'm, I'm just blown away by the New York, for example, if the New York Jets are considering Zach Wilson over over uh, over Justin Fields, I'm just going, you kind of just had sort of a Zach Wilson in 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 Sam Darnold. I mean, in in some respects, although I think Sam Darnold got short shrift. Uh, but yeah, Justin is a, Justin is that different kind of guy. I mean, from the standpoint of, I think as you move forward in the NFL, you've got to be able to run you got to be able to run some, if not all the time. Yeah. And uh, I just think you got to look for that in a quarterback. And if it comes along with a guy with a great arm who can actually run a little bit, and Trevor Lawrence is that guy, by the way, yeah. uh, you've got to consider him over a Mac Jones uh, or a Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, that's just my thinking. I mean, I know you've been in it for a while now. I mean, what, yeah. what, is it trending that way or am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I think Zach Wilson, well, I'd actually put Zach Wilson athletically closer to Fields and Lance than I would to Jones. To Jones, um, yeah. I, I think Zach is, Zach's a gifted athlete. Like, yeah. he was a multi-sport athlete in high school, um, you know, and he, I, I think you see, he plays with pace. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's sort of what's intriguing about him is if you watch him like, and, and again, like I'm not a scout, but I talk to a lot of people who are um, like, I think what you see is he, he plays the game fast and he gets rid of the ball fast. And like everything about his game is fast. And so I think that's sort of what's intriguing about Zach versus some of the other guys as you watch. And it's like, okay, like the ball's coming out. There's no hitch in his delivery. He can throw off platform. Um, I think the biggest question with that, well, there are a couple questions with Zach. Number one is level of competition, which is right. obvious. Right. And then I think number two, it's, you know, like his frame and is he big enough? And, um, you know, I think that's why a lot of teams wanted to see him, but that's one of the reasons why the Jets sent their head coach to, to, to BYU to go look at him. Like they physically, you need to see him. You need to see what he looks like. Yeah. And you know, it's not just how much he weighs now, how much he might weigh in three years. You know what I mean? Like, yes. so um, I, Zach Wilson's interesting to me because, and here's, here's where I, I think like, this is like, I, this, this was like probably a month ago, whatever, six weeks ago. Yeah. I remember talking to somebody about fields versus Wilson. And the interesting thing about it was it, this guy compared Justin fields to Justin Herbert. And he said to me, he's like, 
you know, Justin Herbert going into 2019 was seen by all of us as the number one overall pick in 2020. Well, what happened? Yeah, exactly. We all had too much time. We all had too much time to pick him apart. And we had too much time to look at his flaws. And we were missing the forest for the trees, right? Like yeah. oh, Justin yeah. Herbert, six foot six, runs a four six forty, weighs two hundred and thirty five pounds, and probably could carry two fifty pretty easily. Can put the ball wherever he wants to put it. And yep. I think the whole idea was we overthought it on Justin Herbert, and I sort of wonder if that's you know that and that's where this evaluator was saying that's Justin Fields to me. Yeah. We're overthinking it. Yeah. Like it's I, I all think, right there. And, yeah. and, and it's like when you, when some of these kids play on such big stages and are on TV so much and have so much exposure, the risk is overexposure because how, how, how many times can you look at a guy and just like, like good, 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 good. Even Trevor Lawrence went through this, Tim. Oh yeah. Right. Sure. There was a spot in his sophomore year. I think it was a four game stretch, something like that. But there was a narrative out there his sophomore year where it was like, what was wrong with Trevor Lawrence? Right. I think yeah. Dabble actually got that question. It was like, what are you guys talking about? You know? Yeah. And, and like, what was the, what, what was the truth? Uh, yeah. You know, he was just kind of, as part of his development, went through some bumps, wrote it out. And, and well, yeah, he's still, he's still Trevor Lawrence on the other side, you know, he so, went, he went through that. He went through that syndrome of, I can throw the ball through any window. You know what yeah. I mean? And he tried yeah. to, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's and so, so and now, so you know, it's, fa- it's fascinating because like, then you look at Zach Wilson and I, I don't want to take anything away from Zach Wilson, but he's totally worthy of being the second overall pick. Totally. 100% worthy of being with the second overall pick, but it's just a different circumstance, you know, yeah. Yeah. like, I mean, like NFL scouts were scrambling to get information on him because he wasn't even like sure to be the starter coming into the year. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think as far as the general public goes, general public didn't know who he was until Thanksgiving, you know? So it's just, it's interesting that way. And we've had so many cases of it the last few years too. Like it sort of happened with Joe Burrow, I think to a degree where the public became aware of him later. Yeah. Um, The year before that, if you look, you know, Kyler Murray wasn't even starting, right? Like Daniel Jones, like most people didn't uh, like now I had asked around and NFL people have been looking into Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones was sort of the, a guy who got into the national consciousness a little late. Um, and then the year before that, like Baker Mayfield was, I mean, you know, you covered game, you covered Baker, yeah. Baker Mayfield live twice, right? Yeah. Like, like how quickly did he go from fun little college player to number one overall pick? You yeah, walk I mean? on. <laughs> transfer walk on at Oklahoma at the number yeah, one pick. Yeah, so so it's interesting. Boat. Yeah, go I ahead, mean, no. it's just interesting. It's interesting to me how all these things work because I, I feel like so much of it can be driven by narratives. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and sometimes being on the big stage and being seen as the next big thing for an extended period of time isn't necessarily good well, you know people get, yeah people get tired of hearing your name they want to hear about the new guy right you know what i mean like that even happened to josh allen oh yeah like josh yeah. allen like if josh allen had come out after his third year at wyoming like i when that would have been 17 yeah like would right. he have gone in front of mahomes and watson maybe right yeah and then like he comes back for that last year and Wyoming lost a lot. Like they had like three or four guys who wound up in the NFL, which is great for Wyoming the year before, 
And then, you know, in 2017, he comes back. Those guys are gone. Uh, no offense to anybody. The team around him sort of sucks. <laughs> and yeah. now all of a sudden it's like, what's wrong with Josh Allen? So oh, yeah. Dan I, I just think it's, I, I think those things are always interesting. And, and I think Justin himself would probably tell you he played hero ball too much. Like what you referenced with Trevor, like kind of testing who you are, like what you can get away with. Like I, I, I think Justin, and I know he's been forthright with teams, uh, but I think Justin would tell you like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I probably tried to do a little too much in the second half against Indiana. And I probably tried to do a little too much against Northwestern when we were losing a couple, a bunch of guys due to COVID. Yeah. You know, and Ryan Day kind of addressed that, you know, we were talking to him a couple of weeks ago, just about, for example, the Indiana game, you know, and he just threw this out there. It wasn't, uh, he didn't mean this as necessarily fag, more like testimony, you know, and at that point in the year, Justin is a legitimate you know, candidate for the Heisman Trophy, meaning possibly, yeah. you know, being a being a, the front runner or close. I mean, he's a, and of course that gets into you a little bit about I want to make one more throw to really they're up thirty five to seven or whatever it was. Yeah, make one more throw and put this away. You know, and uh, and but there are all kinds of things going on that day. But but yeah, you're exactly right. I think that you know, uh, I just I just that game is interesting year. too. I I'd like your opinion on something there. What? So somebody said to me, somebody who would know said to me. I asked about that game and somebody who would know said to me, you don't understand how hard it is to get a team coming out of a halftime with a huge lead in an empty stadium. Oh yeah. It was I thought that was a really interesting <coughs> point. Like that, like you can tell them it's zero zero, but then they come out and there's no atmosphere. And all of a sudden one thing leads to another leads to another. Well, let me, let me tell you this, Albert, what it wasn't, necessarily even Justin Fields problem. I mean, the point was you're 35-7. You're playing against a team that's blitzing on every down, off coming off the bus, as that old saying goes. And uh, and I think it was more of a little bit of a, you know, shakedown, letdown by the guys in front of him a little bit, you know, because yeah. the pressure was getting there. And uh, I mean, big time. And there were all kinds of factors that came into that. You're exactly right. And then when you kind of try to restart that motor, you know, Sean Wade had a tough day that day, but you know what? His pick, his pick six is what won the game when you when you do the final yeah. analysis, because that was the only touchdown for Ohio State. But you know, you're you're right. I mean, there, there were all kinds of things. But here's what here's what drives me nuts, like you were talking about. You know, people look at that game and they'll look at the uh Northwestern game and go, Oh, there's Justin Fields, but then you don't look at the Michigan State game when he ran the ball, he did whatever it took that day. For that team to win, they're missing three starters on the offensive line due to COVID, et cetera. He's getting bad snaps from the backup center, and he did everything he could to win that game. And then the Clemson game, the greatest game ever by an Ohio State quarterback in a bowl game. Yeah. I think you agree with that. You're an Ohio State fan to a certain extent, yeah. it right? Was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and that's against Clemson, not against uh, Clemson Tech, you know. But anyway, yeah. I digress. We don't have a lot of time. But, but so you you feel like you feel like right now from what you're hearing that possibly third quarterback off the board is, would be the, the baseman. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that's the, no, because I think I, I you it's know, still I personal the, choice. I think the yeah. first two are sort of etched in stone. I mean, urban's all, but it like conceded that what they're doing at one. Yeah. And the jets, I think their actions tell you what you need to know. Like yeah. the jets, like their head coach was at BYU's pro day. They 
didn't send the cavalry. They had somebody there, but they didn't send the cavalry to Ohio State's second pro day, and they didn't even show up for North Dakota State's second pro day. Yes. So I think that the, the hay's in the barn for the top two. You know, and then I, I think the Niners sort of started with, this is like just me putting pieces together, things that I've heard. I, like my, my feeling is the Niners felt comfortable with Mac Jones um, as the third pick. And I think it gave Kyle Shanahan the ability to say, okay, we're happy. We like, this can be our quarterback for the next 15 years. If he's the pick, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. And then they worked from there. And one of the reasons why they um, traded for the pick a month ahead of time was so they could vet these guys. So they wouldn't have to sneak around and hide their intentions. So they could actually set up these second pro days. So they could zoom with the kids. So they could do everything yeah. that they needed to do with Mac, with Trey, with Justin. And so it's sort of like this process where it's like, okay, we're working from a place where Mac was somebody we're comfortable with. And we're going to go from there. After that, I think it's sort of like, if I had to, if you ask me right now, my, my feeling would be Justin's floor is eight to Carolina. Yeah. Trey's floor is nine to Denver. Yeah. Now by floor, I didn't mean where, what, you know, among quarterbacks, you know, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think fields could wind up in Carolina at eight or the Panthers could trade the pick away to a team coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Hey, and the really interesting, the fascinating thing about that is to uh, Tim is like, if it's a team coming up, if it was like a new England coming up, yes. you know, I mentioned you how important like, at, like environment is for a young quarterback. That'd yeah. be a great result I mean, you know, Austin, for Justin. Yeah. Austin Ward you know? and I were talking about that. Yeah, we, we were talking about that. I mean, that would be crazy. Even San Francisco, if you end up – San Francisco well, was in the Super Bowl two years ago. You know what I mean? Well, so, 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 so think about this, right? So Aaron Rodgers, right, MVP of the league last year, yeah. went 25th overall. Normally these guys are thrown into bad situations, the, the high picks, because the worst teams are picking at the top of the draft, right? Yeah, yes. Aaron Rodgers slides all the way down to 25 winds up with the freaking Packers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. To sit for three years in a stable organization, gets to learn, and then when he becomes starter, he's throwing to Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson in their prime. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Patrick Mahomes, like a team comes up, he slips to 10, which allows the Chiefs, who were in the playoffs the year before, to come up and get him, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, all of a sudden, he gets to sit for a year, and Andy reads his coach and he's throwing a Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, like, and I'm not saying these guys wouldn't have made it otherwise, but I don't think that's a coincidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't think it's a coincidence that like a couple guys who slid a little, even Deshaun Watson, like I, the Texans have had their problems the last couple of years, but before that they're relatively stable. Yeah. Deshaun Watson had one head coach the entire time. He was thrown to DeAndre Hopkins for most of his career. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like, I think if you look at a lot of like, and it's, again, it's not taking anything away from any of these guys, but sometimes a player slipping a little bit can naturally put him in a better situation. Yeah. I, I don't oh. think it's a coincidence that a lot of those guys have made it. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, Dan Marino is a great example, uh, you know, whatever yeah. going on for, you know, and the funny thing is, Albert, you know, this man, David the Dolphins Carr. were in the Super Bowl. Were the Dolphins in the Super Bowl the year before? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's like, slipped. Yeah. He, yeah. 
but you know, David Carr, yeah, David Carr, Derek's yeah. older, older brother. The older brother yeah. David Carr was a hell of a quarterback at Fresno State. He yep. goes to a Texans team that couldn't block me and you on the edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. He gets beat up. Tim Couch, Walt Harris, I remember him recruiting Tim Couch when he was, you know, before he went, went to Kentucky, just raved about this guy and whatever. But he goes to a Cleveland Browns expansion team. You know, not really the real Cleveland Browns are in Baltimore, you know, but yeah. you know where I'm going. Gets a hell beat out of him and is no longer that kind of player. And it's exactly what you're saying. The best thing that maybe could happen to any of these guys would be to go to a later team or a team that moves up to well, get them. Like, so take, take like, for example, like, I think Mark Sanchez is a great example. Yeah, there you go. He went to a roster that was really built up and he was fine the first few years. Yeah. The situation got worse around him. Not as good. No way you don't get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, sort of the same thing. Like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, like both those guys were the quarterbacks of Super Bowl teams. What happened? Well, what happened was they went to teams that traded way up to get them. They like were tied to quarterback centric coaches, Sean McVay in LA and Doug Peterson in Philly. Yeah. And for the first three years, four years of their career, the teams could load up because those quarterbacks were cheap. Then what happened? Yeah. Well, yeah. the talent sort of disintegrated a little bit. Now you don't have the money anymore to put to, to fix the holes that you have on your roster because you're paying your quarterback. My God, it doesn't look the same anymore. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, you're right. So, yeah. yeah. And so that's I just what... think it's the most important position on the field, but it's also very reliant on things being right around it. Yeah. I was going to say it's a draft lottery. And, uh, it, and for the, and, but for the players, it's like a lotto. If you get called up early, you get this big paycheck but it is a lottery from the standpoint of the play. The, it is a gambling situation for the teams. Cause you, you know, one of the things before we move on, I want to ask you about a couple of the guys, Buckeyes, but we, the interesting thing is, you know, people are still trying to invent that one or two machines or computer systems that can tell them how is this guy going to react at quarterback yeah. when the, when the, like I said, the windows even get tighter, the doors are much slimmer and you've got to throw the ball and make reads like that. Uh, that that's the machine that everybody's waiting to come along to tell them that. But but the default, not the default, but the flip side of that is if you've got a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can keep a drive, keep a play alive for five more seconds, yeah. that's where Justin Fields well, that's so. where that's where I like Justin Fields over Mac Jones, only because I think Mac Jones Mac Jones had the greatest season in Alabama yeah. football history, you know, throwing yeah. the ball. But He's not that guy that's going to like buzz out here and keep something going like a, a Justin Fields can do, uh, a Trey Lance can do, et cetera. You know what I mean? That's, and that's just so, taste, you know? Yeah. I think the, 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 the point you're making too, it, like what a great set of legs can do for you yeah. <laughs> is like, it can buy you time. I mean, I think with Mahomes and with Josh Allen, those are two great examples. And yes, you know, I'm I, Mahomes is at a different level than 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 Allen right now. But I think Allen can get there. Um, both those guys have become, I mean, one case great and another case borderline great, and they've done it because, like, in, in a certain way, because their legs bought them time to develop. Yes. Like the fact that they could make plays off schedule, that they could throw off platform, that they could do things other people physically can't do. It bought them time to develop, you know, and eventually like, I think those two guys, like it's the job of the team is to figure out, okay, like he's going like, this will buy him some time to develop. 
now I got to figure out mentality, work ethic, intelligence. Like, does he have all of that? To, and I've talked to the Chiefs and the Bills about this. Like, that was part of the equation for them was here's all the physical stuff. And then here's all this intangible stuff, the stuff that's harder to get to. Yeah. And we think he has, we think they have both. And yeah. They haven't put them together yet, but this over here, like the, the talent part of it is going to buy them time. And then this over here is going to be able to cash the check. Yes. That the talent is writing for them. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's sort of part of the whole equation where I think for traditional quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that we grew up watching, you're sort of threading the needle a little bit because I think yeah. it's harder. It's harder for them to prove themselves as fast uh, because, uh, you know, they have, I think, a steeper learning curve coming in. Yeah. And, it, and here's the other secret that everybody knows, dirty secret about playing quarterback in the NFL anymore. What I'm getting to here is the toughest thing to do is at the snap, look up and figure out what the hell is going on on the defensive side of the ball on a consistent basis. The easiest thing to do is if you can buy time, three or four or five more seconds by yeah. by even stepping up. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a great, has been a great yeah. looter of the, and that he can't, you know, but he's great at moving but in. That's the what pocket. Ben was early in his career. But suddenly, yeah. but suddenly the defense becomes much simpler when you've got, four or five seconds going instead of just three, if you follow my drift, because now it's like, <clears throat> it is what it is. And if you've got receivers who are on board, they can find the open spot and boom, you're throwing the ball. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has, has, uh, has flourished in that kind of situation yeah. until as you wrote that great story after the Super Bowl, Todd Bowles and what, uh, you know, Tampa Bay did to him and, and to the chiefs was <clears throat> borderline genius, you know, in my opinion, about how you handle a guy like that. But but then, you know, it's funny, funny, I'm making this point about mobile quarterbacks. And then, of course, you know, Tom Brady wins another, you know, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, anyway. I, I just think like, yeah, I mean, Brady, you know, and I covered Tom. He's um, different. He's, um, you know, for, I've covered Tom for 15, 16 years now. I, like, I think it's wholly unfair to compare anybody to him because yeah. like he, I mean, A, I think the Patriots did a fantastic job of, of, you know, bringing him along and not asking too much of him early in his career. And if you, if you look like in 2001, he did some spectacular things at the end, but like on a game to game basis, they weren't asking the world of him. And yes. even like in 03 and 04, those were such well-rounded rosters that they didn't need to ask the world of him. And that's, what's best for a young quarterback. You don't like put him in a situation where he doesn't need to win every game, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and Brady's different just because I, you know, you talk to him about it and it's like, there's almost like this, like, you know, the talent, like, like your physical ability goes down and your mental ability goes up. And like with all the stuff that he's done, like through the TB 12 method and all that other stuff, like he's, I, I mean, I've talked to him about this in the past. His goal has been to stop that decline yeah, and then have the mental part keep going up. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, the level he's operating at right now. I mean, the, the game moves in slow motion for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, and if you tell him, if you tell him what you're doing, like if you show him what you're doing, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. dead. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't need to move around. He doesn't need to like, like you, you are like, you're cooked. If he has, if, if, if he knows what you're throwing at him. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty unfair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. pretty unfair to compare him 
to anyone else. Um, you know, like I just, you know, maybe, maybe somebody like Mac gets there and, and look like Mac is football brilliant. I mean, there's no question about that. Like you talk to the teams that have talked to him, like he is really, really sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, but comparing him to Brady, uh, you know, all the yeah. things that went into Brady's development, I, I think you're really threading a needle there. Yeah. Give him 15 years is the way I look at yeah. it, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, uh, how quick are these guys going to assimilate? But real quick, I want to ask one thing for, you know, what's really, what's really screwed up about the NFL now compared to many years ago you almost have to play these guys young because you're a lot of these coaches, staffs, their jobs are depending on. It. I mean, Urban Meyer has walked into a brilliant situation because he got to handpick his his franchise quarterback. A lot of people say a generational guy. I mean, that's one of the reasons he took this job. I'm sure of that. I mean, he and I had conversations about Trevor Lawrence uh, off and on the last couple of years, you know, and he really thinks this guy is great, you know, and uh, uh, but then you get to load up in the draft this year, too, depending on whether you make some deals or not with the number of picks. But there are those kind of situations are rare where you get to right. just kind of build a team around a guy. Uh, and but do you think this pressure on court on coaches? I mean, look at the Browns, the coaches have gone. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. You know, like, look at the teams that. You know, if you look at some of the teams that could be drafting these guys, yeah. I mean, just look at the two at the top. Yeah. I mean, like the Jaguars have Gardner Minshew and um and CJ Bethard. Uh the Jets have God, I'm like, who I'm like struggling to even like remember who they have on their roster yeah. right now. Yeah. And I'm gonna cheat and look it up. But like, exactly. I mean, like it is it like trading Darnold. Uh, like they really are in a spot. They've got the Morgan kid. I think that they drafted last year from God, was it you? It was like Florida international. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. James yeah. Morgan was the guy's name, but I mean like he might be, and I'm pulling it up now I'm cheating here. I'm going to admit it up front. So everybody knows what I'm doing. Um, yeah. James Morgan. So James Morgan would be the guy who's at the top of the depth chart right now. And then Mike white, who was like sort of on and off the Cowboys roster is the other guy. So you look at the Jaguars and the jets and it's like, yeah, like that's going to be their starters, you yeah, know, yeah. And obviously San Francisco is different because they still have Jimmy Atlanta would be different. They have Matt Ryan, right. Carolina has the flexibility to start. Um, Sam Donald Denver would have the flexibility to start uh, drew lock. But I mean, yeah, I mean the idea that you can sit a quarterback, you know, I've got a chart that I keep um, really the turning point for this was 2008. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence either that like, that was the year that Matt Ryan took a Falcons team that was supposed to be rebuilding to the playoffs and Joe Flacco went with the Ravens, to the AFC championship game as rookies. Yeah. And really since then, if you look at it, it's very, very rare. In fact, I think the only two, I want to say the only two that were true red shirts and there are other different ends of the spectrum. Do you know who they are over that time since 08? Might no. surprise you a little bit how different the two are. Patrick Mahomes is one. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Jake Locker is the other. Yeah, Jake Locker. All right. So they don't seem to have anything in common, those two, right? Yeah. You know what they you know you know what the commonality is? The tie? Uh Ty Willingham? No, go ahead. No. The tie is they the tie is both those teams contended. Oh, the tie yeah. between yeah. those two yeah. is like because normally guys who get drafted at that position in the first round get drafted high, and that normally means you're going to a bad team. And what normally what happens with bad teams is bad teams will get to the middle of the season and they will be three and five, they will be yeah. four and eight. And you know what happens then if the rookie is not starting, 
here everyone's calling for the rookie to get in there. Oh yeah, yeah. So eventually they get to the point where they just throw him out there. Um, and you know, like if you look at like Tennessee in 2011 and Kansas city in 2017, they had the flexibility to sit those two guys, Jake Locker and Patrick Mahomes, because they were contending. Yeah. If you're contending, no one's saying, Oh, we got to play the other guy. You know, it's just, so like, that's why I think for most teams, it's really, really difficult to truly redshirt a guy. And that's where like a San Francisco might like San Francisco actually has the flexibility to do it, you know, because they do have a team that's ready to contend. And here's the other thing about Patrick Mahomes. It's so cool. I'm just thinking where you were talking there. He's got a, he almost has to play finally though, for you to see his genius. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I mean, just although they knew, I mean, I will say this, like I, I can still remember. So in 2017, before the opener, I'm the, I'm on the field and the, it's the Chiefs and the Patriots. And I, you know, I, I, I went over to somebody um, high up with the Chiefs and um, he, you know, he and I had known each other. And, and so we're, we're talking and everything else is, hold on, you got to see this. And so he pulls out his cell phone and, um, <laughs> and it's a, and then now remember Alex Smith's like two hours from starting the opener right now. Yeah. I have no plans to play the other guy at all. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you have to see this. So he pulls up a piece of video he has on his phone and literally Tim, it it looked like Patrick Mahomes. It was like, he was running one way, throws the other way. And the ball literally looked like it, like almost went through somebody and well, like landed and I'm not doing any justice to it, but it was like the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he's like, you know, we're going to be, and he, he like looked at me. He's like, we're going to be okay. at Quarterback for a while. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they knew there was stuff in practice. They knew, but you're right. There's parts of it too, that, you know, you won't know until you actually see it out there. You know, it's funny is if a guy was coming along through a no look passes right now, people go, ah, oh, that's not going to work. It's not yeah. prototypical. That's not prototypical. Right. And right. usually the non-prototypes are the ones who have ascended, you know, like Bart yeah. Starr, you know, right on down the line. Hey, real quick, uh, let's hit on a couple and I'll get, I'll get yep, out of your way. You got it. I can't believe Wyatt Davis isn't being talked about as a sure number first round draft pick, a guard from Ohio State, grandson of Willie Davis, former yep. Green Bay Packer grade, who's son of Alvin Mack from the program. Autograph I got like in 64 when we vacationed in Wisconsin. <laughs> anyway, my point is, I said that in there. I told Wyatt about that. He laughed. Um, uh, I told him the line was too long for Bart Starr. No, I'm just joking. But uh, what, 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 number one, what do you see out of Wyatt Davis from the standpoint of could he ascend into the first round? I mean, which, I, mean I know it's all no, what I mean, a team needs, et cetera. So I, I think what's happening on the offensive line, like, so you've got, like, it's a good year for offensive linemen, and the NFL really needs it. There's a shortage of offensive linemen in the NFL. So I think what you're seeing is there's one elite, like no doubt about it, left tackle prospect. And that's Panay Sewell who has some maturity issues, but he's going to go somewhere in the top seven yeah. or eight picks. Yeah. Um, and like, so he comes off the board. And then after that, you've got a bunch of really good players. Um, I think Slater's like near Sewell as a player, but he might be a guard and not a tackle. You've got like Elijah Vera Tucker at USC. He's probably a guard and not a tackle. Even like a Tevin Jenkins, he's probably a guard and not a tackle. And then you've got guys like Christian Derrishaw and, you know, Liam Eikenberg and Sam Cosme who are tackles, but maybe just good. 
mm-hmm. tackles, maybe not great tackles. So you got this like group of guys who played tackle in college who I think teams are going to value above the top guard, guard. prospects. Yeah, sure. Um, because they're going to say, well, if we can take a tackle, if we can take this guy, maybe he's a tackle. And if it doesn't work out, we'll move him inside the guard. Sure. You know? Sure. And so I think that that kind of like hurts some of the guard prospects. And I, I think Wyatt goes somewhere on day two. Um, I think he's solidly in that group, but, but I do think to some degree that probably is affecting some of the guard prospects just because uh, you know, this, you've been covering this stuff forever. There's nothing like outside of quarterback, like there's almost nothing more important than having like a, a left tackle. Yeah. And so if a guy like is a really good player and you look at him and you say, this guy gives us a shot to fix our left tackle issue. Yeah. But if not, he's going to be a really good player somewhere else. You might be more apt to take a swing on that guy rather than taking a guy who's a pure guard. Quick, you know who the first who the first first round draft pick I covered at Ohio State, meaning after I started covering the beat, then you had to cover the guys in the draft. It was yeah. a 1984 season, so it was a 1985 draft. You know who that was? I'll give you an answer. Jim Lachey. He played oh, guard man. at Ohio yeah. State, and he was starting left, all pro left tackle. Is he know, still do? He's still on the radio. Oh yeah, he's still he's doing great, radio. Man. Yeah, he's great, yeah, great so. guy. One of the great guys you'll ever meet. But oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Who knows? Maybe somebody's got Wyatt Davis as a right tackle, or you know, whatever. No, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Hey. I mean, I think he's like, like, but, but I mean, look, there are a lot of guards who, there are a lot oh, yeah. of guards who like go in the second round and wind up being like all pro, you know, yes. five times. So. Like, I don't think it's, you know, like I, I sort of look at like guards sort of like tight ends, sort of like, you know, off ball linebackers where, you know, those positions, a lot of times teams have struggled with the idea of taking them in the first round. Yeah. And that's why I think you see a lot of really good players, at those positions go in the second, second and third round. Yeah. I just see a guy that, you know, for example, if he stays healthy, could play for 15 years. That's, you know what I mean? Right. I go, that's pretty damn valuable when you get right down to it. But yeah. And if you, I mean, look like, you know, it happened with Quentin Nelson, who's like the best guard prospect in a generation. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I think a, there were teams in front of Indianapolis at six. It's good. Like it's happening with Kyle Pitts now who I think Kyle Pitts is like the best non quarterback in this draft. Right. Really? Wow. It's, ha- yeah. it's, ha- yeah. it's happening with it. It, it. Like where teams sort of like, it's like, yeah, like, like awesome player. Like no one can deny it, but am I yeah. okay with taking a guard that high? Yeah. And yeah. you know, Quentin Nelson, like credit to Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. It was like, yeah, get over it. Like the guy's the best player. Just take him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. and now Quentin Nelson's, you know, been all pro three times in a row. Uh, and Kyle Pitt, same thing, you know, so I, I do think that the positional value thing can affect guys even all the way up to the top of the draft. Hey, real quick. Uh, if, 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 if four quarterbacks go in the first four picks this year, is that that's unprecedented, isn't it? Unprecedented. Right. Yeah. yeah. So okay. three times it's happened. I think it was 71 Dan Pastorini, Archie Manning and Jim Plunkett. Not in that order though. I'm oh, maybe old, it man. was. I, I remember that. Or no, Plunkett was one. I think, yeah, Plunkett right? was one. Yeah, I think so. Manning was two, and then Pastorini was three, and then of course, nineteen ninety nine was the other time it was one, two, three, and that was Couch, McNabb, and Achilles Smith. Yeah, it's funny because I was living in Texas then, and Houston, Houston Oilers took uh, took uh, Pastorini, and then they took Lynn Dickey, if I remember correctly. I mean, yeah. he was a hell of a quarterback at like Canton. You go, what are you doing? You know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I digress. Real, real quick, any other Buckeye jump out at you, Sean Wade? Seems sure. to have gotten over his malady that really bothered him yeah. probably the last half of the year. And then 
he had a tremendous workout. Has he jumped on anybody's chart from what you can tell? Yeah. I'm, so like, I would say, um, if you want me to cover the rest of the class, what, what I would say is I think there are going to be a lot of them that go, it's a unique class for Ohio state. And I keep an eye on all those guys, obviously. I know. Like, I, know. I think it's, <laughs> it's a, um, I, I think it's going to be, it's a unique class for Ohio state in that I think fields is probably the only first rounder, but they could wind up having, having a very active day two, you yeah. know? And so I think Josh Myers goes in day two, along with Wyatt Davis, uh, Pete Warner, like yeah. is somebody who I like NFL teams like him a lot more than I think people realize where I, I think he could wind up maybe sneaking into the back of the second round, you know? Yeah. So like, like those guys, like, so I, and Sean Wade's an interesting case because there are some teams that are trying to look at 2020 and saying, what do we do with this tape? You know? And it's Sean Wade's learning a new position. He's learning to play outside and you see like the safety slot corner flexibility, which is what a 21st century safety is going to be. And so, you know, I think teams kind of like working their way past like what 2020 was because 2020 is kind of like, it's a tough eval there. Um, Let me inject this, you know, uh, I think even Sean Wade saw himself as more of a Marshawn Lattimore or an Eli Apple or somebody like that, but he might be Bradley Roby. Because remember Bradley Roby goes into the league with Denver and boom, they put him at that slot corner and kind of, I mean, you know, I, I, would say, I would say even like, even like a Malcolm Jenkins, like yeah. that to me, yeah. like if you want to Ohio go. state comp, it's like, like that's Malcolm Jenkins value ultimately in the NFL was kind of a safety who could, you know, play it, play at different yeah. levels of the field and could come down into the slot. And that's such a huge part of that position now. And, you know, so I like, I think if teams look at Sean Wade as a safety prospect, like, they'll evaluate them a little differently than what they saw in 2020. And like, there's like, again, because the way that spread offenses work, like having a safety who can come down and cover in the slots enormously valuable. And I like, that's the player he was like, Tim, you know, better than me. That's the player he was in 2019. Dude, he was Clemson's worst nightmare until, uh, Trevor Lawrence dropped his head and they, they made head to head contact. Yeah, it, went from, it went from, it went from Clemson's first night. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, anybody else? Tommy Togi. Did he make a mistake? Togi is another one who I think is probably right okay. there in the third round. Like I, I, I think the, the issue Togi is going to have is like how much pass rush upside does he have, you know? And so yeah. like the way you see it, defensive tackle position, and this is a really bad year for defensive tackles, but um, generally the guys that go, you know, generally the guys that go in first, the first round are more of the three technique types, the guys who can get up field. Yeah. I mean, you saw Christian Barmore, like, you know, for Alabama, what he's capable of now there's maturity issues with him and he's got off field questions and all of that, but a really good player. Yeah. Um, so Togi, I think what, what he, what he's battling against uh, is more so, is he just a two down player has become such a buzz term in the NFL, but it's like two down versus three down basically means can you, can you play on passing downs? Yeah. And I think that that's the issue that Togi runs into where you could, we could look up in 10 years and say, this guy's had a great career, um, you know, but because of maybe some of his athletic limitations, some teams are going to assign a different sort of value on him. Yeah. I was going to say my, my, my buddy, uh, Kirk Barton, uh, he and I've talked, I, he, I'm famous for saying, man, if I ever put a team together, one of the guys I definitely want is an a gap stuffer. I mean, a guy yeah. that attacks the a gap, Every play, in other words, just makes the quarterback at least aware that there's some something you know coming up the middle. It doesn't necessarily mean right. you're going to get sacks, but 
it just changes the running well, game and the pass. Hey, game. I mean, like, look, like in today's NFL, it's valuable. Oh yeah. Um, because yeah. I, you know, and I've, I, like, I, I think you, you look at the, some of the, like the top quarterbacks in the league and you ask them what bugs you more outside pressure or inside pressure. And obviously edge rushers, I mean, those are, I mean, all you gotta do is look at the, like, look at the, yeah. look at the, the salaries, like, yeah. like that, those are the money positions, but the value of having like a Fletcher Cox or, I mean, like an Aaron, and now Aaron Donald's a unicorn, but like yes. having guys that can bring pressure up the middle is, is really, really, really a big thing, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the question with Togi is like, what sort of value does he bring to you on passing downs? But, you know, because he's a big man, um, you know, there's certainly, I, th- I think he could be one of these guys who, like you mentioned with Wyatt Davis, where it's like, we're going to look up in 10 years and he's still in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick. Uh, Justin Hilliard, uh, Baron Browning. Yeah. Uh, I think tough Borland. I should have mentioned Browning too. Yeah. Like I should have Browning's in that day two group too, just because of physically what he brings to the table. Um, you know, another one of these sort of like, uh, you know, do you play him more as a pass rusher in the NFL? Um, and is he kind of can be like, like almost like this Joker um, player yeah. on um, play on, play. on uh, yeah. yeah yeah so play yeah yeah so like what do you do with him is sort of the question but I think because of his athletic testing numbers like there's a good chance he goes on day two I tough Borland is probably more of an undrafted free agent type. oh sure um, sure you know what about Justin Hilliard's, yeah. Hilliard's interesting because I think Hilliard uh, like he played six years and age really works against some of these guys you know like if you give an NFL guy, two guys who are equal and it's a 20 year old versus a 23 year old. They're going to take the 20 year old every time. And maybe that's not fair. It's just the way it is. Yeah. But you, but you've covered this a long time. He had all those injuries, these first three years there for you. Does that weigh against him or, or how much does it weigh oh, yeah. for him? Yeah, I mean, how much like, does it yeah, weigh for him? I mean, if uh, they're going to be teams, there could be teams that look at him and say, there could be teams that look at him and say, like, this is a one contract guy. Like yeah. This is a guy who's going to play because of his age, because of his injuries. But the last gonna, two years he's played almost injured. Does it, do you, do, does anybody look at it like, Hey, he's gotten over that. You know I mean? Well, I think that that's where like the imaging, like that's where the stuff uh, like, I'm, I'm going to speak for you on this. I know I'm speaking for myself. It goes way over me and use heads where yeah. it's like, it's a doctor yeah. looking at images and everything else. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't, I like, like that's the stuff that like, I can't really answer for that. Um, you know, but, I, you know, certainly I think that that's, you know, I like, certainly I think that like what shows up on the imaging is going to be important for Justin Hilliard and look like different teams. Look at those things different ways too. Yeah. Dude, before we go, you just brought it. I mean, what shows up on imaging, you know, if it hadn't shown up on imaging, Nick Saban might still be in the NFL, but he didn't get, I I I mean, isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? The, the stuff yeah. that happens, you know, that one thing. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. think about it, that one thing. And now all of a sudden, if, if he's got breeze there, like how, how yeah. does that change the course of things in the AFC East? You Saban know I mean? versus Belichick. I mean, maybe yeah. Belichick, well, is, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll leave you with the most, with the, with the bet, with the best one. I think the best one ever to me is what if Peyton Manning came out in 1997? Yeah. What if he had come, what if he had declared, and if he comes out in 1997, and the whole story was that like he didn't come out because Bill Parcells, who was the Jets coach at the time, wouldn't guarantee Archie that he was the first pick. That's the old urban legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but if you go, but but if, but if the Jets take him first overall, right? Okay. Yeah. Think about this. Now Ryan leaves the first pick in the '98 draft, maybe. So yeah. does Bill Polian make it there? Is Bill Polian in the Hall of Fame? And beyond just that, does Bill Belichick leave New York after the '99 season if Peyton Manning's there? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And then if if now now if Belichick doesn't make it to New England, is Tom Brady in New England? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, where does Tom Brady? So you think about those things, and yeah, there's. I mean, that that to me is the ultimate what if is what if what if uh what if Peyton Manning hadn't gone back to Tennessee for a senior year. Okay, real quick, one of my favorite jokes. I want you to ask, say, Tim, what is the secret of your success? I want you to ask me that in those words. Oh, man, like this is another one that 20 year old me would have loved to ask. Tim, what's the secret? Timing. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. Anyway, hey, Albert Breer, always a pleasure, man. I'm going to have you on after the draft, you know, maybe a week or so after after all your computers have cooled down, et cetera, and all your, your, uh, you know, I can get a phone in edgewise, but man, it is always a pleasure, my man. I appreciate you coming on. And by the way, uh, do you have any thoughts about 2021 Ohio State, who the starting quarterback should be? Get your vote in right now. What is it? Oh, God. I, I still haven't watched the spring game because I, I have it on the DVR. But I I had a, I, I was in Florida with my family. I'll get to that probably after the draft. Um, I don't know. Is the kid, can, is the kid from Texas going to be like early enrolling or whatever? Is well, he, that'd, uh, be next, like, but that'd be next year. So Reclassifying, uh, yeah. No, I – I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I, I trust Ryan's going to get it right. Cause I, 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 you know, we see the results with the quarterbacks, you know, going back to JT's last year. And, um, I think every Ohio state fan has every reason to trust that Ryan day is going to get this right. Whether it's CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord or Jack Miller, just so everybody knows, I know the name, I know yeah. the names and I've yeah. been paying attention. By the way, I want to tell you one other thing. Uh, we, we got a glimpse of the most aptly named player on the Ohio State roster this year is Marvin Harrison Jr. Because oh my goodness, he looks like <laughs> that'll make me like feel old. A bigger, I covered his dad, so oh my goodness, I mean it's I'm crazy. Like you, Tim, I'm getting like you, Tim. I covered his dad. Oh so. yeah, but it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy the talent they've got on hand. Albert Breer, thanks very much, man. All right, thanks, Tim. See you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.